Savior. Uh, his Holy Spirit came in and merged with our eternal spirit and made us holy. So this part of us is that part which will never be violated by sin or affected by sin. This is the form now that we really are according to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I think it was in here because on Sunday morning we're kind of doing some similar things, but I mentioned in here the conformed and transformed, the two, the two different words for form in those words in here, didn't I, last week? If I didn't, I'll do it. I guess I didn't. Okay. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, Paul says... Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when we're looking at strongholds, we need to understand a couple of things. The form that we now are, once Christ entered into and knit himself eternally with our spirit, is the form of Christ. And so in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he is saying, don't be conformed to this world. And uh, the word for conformed, conformed, is a compound word. And be transformed these two words are different in transform and conform. What he's saying here, this, uh, and I didn't look this up to get the exact spelling, but this is um, schemata, S-C-H-E-M. A-T-A, I believe is how it's spelled. And this is metamorphi. From which we get our word what? Metamorphosis. Conform means don't let your outward expression be reflective of a form that is false. Be a false form. Be a false presentation of you. But be transformed so that your outward expression matches the true form that you really are. So when you and I act like the world, and people can't tell the difference between us and, and non-Christians, we're acting in an outward expression that is not who we really are. But he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when we're looking at bringing down strongholds, or even preventing strongholds from taking place in us, we have to understand that this is who we really are. This soulish realm contains the, the false form. It, it contains those glitches, the sin, nature, our mind, our will, our emotions, all of the things that have left tracks in your life and mine from childhood forward are registered in our soulish realm. And so Paul, in, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, says be transformed so that your outward expression and your inward form are consistent or are behaving in a way that is consistent with who you really are. That is done by the renewing of your mind. So here, in our soulish realm, we have to have a renewal of our mind. And when we are dealing with strongholds in our life, one of the steps that we have to engage in is renewing our mind, and we will get into that here in just a minute. I have uh, Luke 21, 19 here from last week, where Christ said, in your patience or in your endurance, possess ye your souls. In other words, 
as you keep on keeping on in this journey with him, the spirit will come out and begin more and more to possess and dominate the soulish realm. So that the soulish realm eventually will be so possessed by the spirit that we are transformed, we're transfigured. Our behavior matches who we really are on the deep spirit um, inner being of the inner man. Now, we put Philippians 2.12 here last week because that had to do with authority. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. But do you all know what is uh, forward at the very, near the very beginning of Philippians um, 2.12? Around verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal to God. In other words, he was equal to God, and that was not theft. That was not taking something that was not his. He was equal to God. But he made himself in the form of a man so that we could be made in the form of God. Isn't that interesting? Christ made himself in the form of a man so that you and I could be made into the form of God. Here. But in Philippians 2, I'm going to just put verse 5 here as well and beyond. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. So when we're dealing with our transformation into Christ, with all the junk that's in our soul, a huge step has to, has to be the renewing of the mind. So I'm just going to put the word renewing the mind here. And we'll look at how, what that looks like um, tonight. Uh, so the, soul, the soulish realm itself carries our sin nature. And so whether you and I have any strongholds or not, it, we're still going to struggle. And Ephesians 6 is more about keeping those strongholds from getting established in us. And 2 Corinthians 10.3, which we looked at last week, we looked at both of them last week, and we're going to look at them again today. Um, 2 Corinthians um, 10, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 have to do with once strongholds get established in us, how do we bring them down? So Ephesians 6 is more defensive, put on the full armor of God, be protected. And 2 Corinthians 10 is an offensive slugfest um, to bring down the strongholds that have gotten established. Now what I want to do is cover, and some of this we did cover, but some of this we didn't. As you know from last week, strongholds get established through a, like a chronic environment or traumatic events, usually in childhood, but not always. Uh, Post-traumatic stress syndrome is often times can be understood in terms of a stronghold. It, you can also have strongholds that get established by uh, occult exposure or occult abuse, and and that's a, a really a real heavy-duty stronghold that can get set up. 
Um, if you, um, oftentimes when you have, um, you have kids dabbling in just occult kinds of things, if they're just dabbling, it's damaging. But if they really kind of get more and more into Satanism and Satan worship, it will almost always set up uh, some sort of a stronghold. Um, if you have a child that has been abused by uh, an, a, a satanic group, which does happen, then that's a huge, um, it, a huge strongholds get set up there. Um, I, pardon? A false belief is always in a stronghold. Yes. Yes. And by the time it was over, we had to sort of brainwashing. And that's not necessarily a stronghold, but the kids that start, like the kids that, that were influencing her, if a person has these beliefs and they gradually slide more and more into that belief and then they start acting out on that belief and they start engaging in a lifestyle of that belief, I guarantee you strongholds will get set up. And, and so the thing with occult, I, one of the, the first experiences I ever had in kind of a counseling format, sort of, was a woman who had gotten deeply into Satanism. And she went through a marriage ritual ceremony. And, and she, she told me, because she had been raised in a Christian home, and she told me, she said, I want to be free, but I don't know how to get free because I hear all these voices. And I didn't know she was hearing the voices, and that was not mental illness. Because she, the marriage ceremonies are very, very, very traumatic. And, and it's like you sign your soul over. And she said, I want to be saved. And she said, no matter what I say in this process, know that I want to be saved. And I took her up on it. And she did become saved, but she always walked with a limp because it was so profoundly... So that's the extreme. But before that, you can have strongholds that get set up if children have been exposed to it early on, especially if they've acted out on it. So Morgan probably does not, did not have a stronghold, but it can lead to that. And and Well, and, and what you're talking about here, and does that answer your question? Okay. What you're talking about here uh, is where we need to go. 
a stronghold will always be set up around a lie. Always. It seems to me Some of these strongholds are almost, they start out, it seems, innocent enough. <laughs> like, you know, you were talking about the occult, like New Ageism, you know, and, you know, tarot cards or whatever it is, candles and angels and all this stuff. And, yes. And you don't see that it's bad. You know, angels are good. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you, the way I've understood it the last few weeks is it's just anywhere that you've kind of replaced God with something else. And so I'm believing in angels now instead of worshiping God and, you know, praying for an angel to watch over me versus talking to God or whatever. Then, I mean, you don't even realize that you've made the shift. It, it's also exactly. it's very subtle. And I think yes. that it doesn't have to be as deep as, I mean, yes, what you're saying with, you know, having a marriage to Satan, but it, it's almost like... Well, that's the way most of them uh, get, many of them get set up. It's, it is very subtle. It starts from subtlety um, to just a gradual giving in more and more to the idea or to the behavior. And then you give in a little bit more. And so it goes from subtle to moderate to dominating. And in the first three quarters of that, that, that process, that's not necessarily a stronghold. It's something that you can turn around and repent of and, and be re-empowered, if you're a Christian, um, by the Holy Spirit. But once the exceptions gradually take us down the slippery slope and we finally get to a point where now something seems to be consuming my thoughts, I'm obsessive thinking or, or compulsive behavior or fear that I can no longer get over and, and not too long ago maybe it was just a little bit of fear here and there and I started giving into it and once it gets a hook in me to where I can't back out of the thinking or I can't back out of the emotions because here in the soulish realm is not only the mind but it's our emotions and strongholds deal with both. So strongholds can get set up very subtly by just gradually giving in more and more to a habit. And one day the habit is more in control of me than I am in control of it. And so I am ceding authority in that process from the Lord to Satan's ways. And the strongholds that are set up in childhood get set up through deep emotional experiences, usually trauma, often abuse. And there is always a lie that lands here in this, this point of trauma or this point of trauma that is, is, emerges with the emotions. And when the emotions take a belief and grab hold of a belief, a lie, but believe it, then that, that is going to, in a sense, trump all else. On your sheet that has the circle, you will see the head and the heart knowledge down at the bottom of that. As long as I have head knowledge 
and a lie is in my head but not in my heart, I can back out of that. That's not going to be a stronghold. But once my heart latches on to a belief, if it's truth and my heart buys into it, it will set me free. John 8, 31 and 32. But if my heart believes a lie, equally strongly, my heart believes a lie, then I will be imprisoned by that lie until I can start in the process of renewing my mind and eventually what the mind knows can get into the heart. The heart is what has to be liberated from its belief because what the heart belief believes trumps all else. Um, yes. Yes, yes. And, um, he's been told a lie that he's a, he's a boy, he's curious, that's natural, but it grows. Yes. And that's where he gets satisfaction. And I told her, I said, I read an article how society has lied to our boys and said that it's okay. And I said, that's where it starts. Yes. And they grow up to be men who are addicted to pornography. Yes. And where it destroys marriages, all because they, no one, no one, Exactly. Exactly. It's this that slide down. And there comes a point where you can't easily climb back out of that slide. And that's the stronghold. And it can be pornography. Uh, it can be fear. It can be anger. It can be worry. Uh, it, it Yes. So if there's unforgiveness there, you can't forgive that person or, or whatever the situation is to be able to set yourself free yes. to move past that. Yes. I think it traps you and, and creates, can create strong Absolutely. Absolutely, Russell. And, um, and because what happens if you stay in that state of being long enough, you build your own case, whether you know you're building your case or not. There's a reason why I'm not forgiving. And after a while, a hardness comes into your heart, and it's really hard to change. I'm just now realizing, I think I shared with you the time where my heart, I, I had just, I had um, what I called righteous anger. <laughs> and it had lasted for a long time because the situation was ongoing. Did I, I shared that in here, I think. And I'm just now realizing that that was a stronghold in me. Uh, and, and I stepped down from teaching, this was back in the, in the 90s, the early 90s, I stepped down from teaching because I thought, okay, I'm teaching about discipleship and I can't seem to forgive. I can't seem to get unhinged from this. And I'd been trying for like a year, just less than a year, about nine months. I'd been trying everything I, we're going to be talking <laughs> here today and I couldn't get myself unhinged from it. 
because I had deceived myself into thinking that what I had was righteous anger and there wasn't a reason for me to ask for forgiveness because it was righteous anger. Well, it wasn't righteous anger. Righteous anger lasts 10 minutes to a day and a half. Pardon? Our society has gotten to a point where we society accepts so many things that are not biblical. Yeah. You know, that's what our kids are being exposed to in the schools or in the camps and yeah. television Absolutely. And and it's very hard. And it's very hard to get ourselves out of our own strongholds, but it sure is out here in the world. It is filled with Satan's minefield. And and the kids that are growing up outside of Christ and the ones who are growing up in a Christian home, they're still exposed to an awfully lot of influence. And that's where, uh, you know, praying for our children is really, really important. And praying for one another because we're all susceptible to things. But the lie for me, just to kind of finish out this stronghold, because I'm just now realizing that was a stronghold because it took me a year and a half to unhinge myself from a heart that was not responding to the Lord the way it was supposed to respond. That's how I figured out something was wrong. It's because I wasn't as responsive to the Lord as I'd always been. And I thought, okay, what's going on here? Where am I holding sin in my heart that I haven't confessed? And it came up pretty quickly after that little mental question to myself, uh, what about, you know, this area that you're, you're upset about over here? And I said... To the Lord, I said, well, that's righteous anger. So that's not it. <laughs> the Lord said, if it were righteous anger, would it be affecting your relationship with me? Because I think that's in every situation. Whatever situation is it affecting our relationship with him? Because that's the plumb line of everything. Well said. It's the plumb line. It is. And I said, well, now that you mentioned it, I guess not. <laughs> and so I started trying to get myself unhinged from it, and I realized how calcified and fossilized my heart had become in this area. And it was from a lie that I bought into, that I was justified because of the damage I was seeing happening with my family. And the subtleties of a lie are our worst enemy. This is what we've been talking about. We just gradually slide down subtly, subtly, subtly until one day I realize I'm not as responsive to the Lord as I should be and used to be. What's wrong with this? So a lie will always be, at least one lie and probably multiple lies, will be in every stronghold. And it is a lie that we absolutely believe to be true. That's the problem. We don't recognize it as a lie, or we wouldn't believe it. So our heart buys into it, and what the heart believes, I'll say it again, trumps everything else. 
So that's why you'll say, okay, I know with my head this is true. I just can't quite get it in my feet. I can't quite get there with it. But I know in my head it's true. Head belief does not prevail. Heart belief does. Uh, this is why our renewing of our mind is the beginning of our transformation. It is not the culmination of our transformation. We can't have transformation without the renewal of our mind. But that will not be the finished product. The finished product is Romans, I mean, John 8, 31 through 32, where Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. His word for know there is, it has to do with heart knowing. It's gnosko. And it means a deep heart knowing. If I have something in my heart, and I know it, I'll be, I'll be set free. I'm sure you all have experienced times where you, you, there was just a moment of light for you on, on something. And when there was that moment of light, how, how did that affect you? Just an aha moment. Okay. Uh, as a teacher, early on, um, my growing up, my dad would 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 pull love. That's how he controlled. He just wouldn't show you love. Um, so as a teacher, I remember one day, and I've sought the Lord for a long, long time. And there was a student that I knew was in great need of my affirmation and love, and I didn't give it. And I immediately thought. Oh my gosh, that is what my dad would do. And it just really put me on the floor. And I recognized that is a stronghold in me. Yeah. And prayed about it, and it's, it doesn't happen. So, anymore, but it was powerful in recognizing that's a stronghold in me so that I can get power. I'm going to withhold affirmation, love from somebody so I can show power and control. Huh. Yeah. And when he hit you with this is how it, your dad was, this is what he did to you, it was like, oh wow. Moment of light. When there is a moment of light and the heart receives the truth, it will liberate me. It will change me. Okay? So, so the, these strong, points of stronghold start with a lie that the heart buys into. And, and it's cultivated from childhood forward or from an event in our lives or from a situation of just deception, like I was deceived with, um, with my righteous anger. Uh, so this is what we're looking at here. And so what we need to do is find out what is this stronghold about. And uh, this is where we're going to the one that has a square on it. Uh, I will say this... Um, to you as you're, go, you're, you're taking out the, the page that has the small circle at the top and the, the larger circle in, in the larger portion of the, of the page. One of the things that hinders our healing from, and our liberation from uh, strongholds and, and anything that we're really dealing with in a chronic, uh, ongoing way, but when there are places of impact here uh, from, from trauma or abuse or a withhold, <clears throat> like Becky, you said, a withholding of, of love, a withholding in the family system of affirmation, 
So it doesn't have to be aggressive, it can be a withholding, a, a stepping back from the role a parent is supposed to play. But what happens is that these points are points of loss to us. There are losses in here. And when these trauma points go to the core of who I am, and I lose a sense of my value, I lose a sense of my belonging, I lose a sense of my identity, I lose a sense of my, my value, I lose a sense of my ability to relate effectively in relationships. Those are all core to who I am. When one of those traumatic events or those abusive situations hit there in my core, then there is a huge loss to me as a child or as an adult. Either one. It's a huge loss. And what happens, especially in childhood, is that the grief that comes from that loss gets frozen. It gets frozen in place. It doesn't get grieved out because we default to a secondary emotion. We don't stay in the original emotion because it is too painful. It is too overwhelming and it's too powerful. I can't stay there as a child or as an adult. So I will go upward from the core of my being that's been damaged here and I'll default to a secondary emotion which may be uh, anger, often is anger, or rage, um, or fear. And I'll live there. And when that happens, especially in childhood, the emotional development of that child also freezes in that frozen grief. Okay? So that there's always this pocket in me as a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old that feels like a 5-year-old. And I, I often will ask someone in a counseling session, and I, I never forget the first time I asked this, I asked this of a friend who'd come in for counseling and she'd realized some really hard things from childhood. And I said, how old do you feel? And she said, oh, that's easy. I'm 12. And I'm a 12-year-old trying to raise a 12-year-old. <laughs> 